Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. BetOnline Sportsbook has you covered all throughout July with all the odds, props, promos, and parlays for baseball, WNBA, MMA, boxing, and more. Use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the link in the description to this episode. BetOnline, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However, and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network, except it isn't live because it is, as always, a podcast. And podcasts aren't live. It's the whole purpose of podcasts. You can listen however and whenever it is that you so choose, and we appreciate that you have decided to stop in today, however and whenever it is that you may be choosing We've got a fantabulous, fantabulous show coming at you today. It's MLB Trade Deadline Day, or at the very least when I'm recording this, it's MLB Trade Deadline Day. By the time you're listening to this, it's probably post-MLB Trade Deadline Day, but we've still got all the news, notes, facts, information, conversations, and everything in between to break down here from Major League Baseball's trading deadline. If you want our breaking, breaking news reactions to the Max Scherzer trade from the New York Mets to the Texas Rangers and what is at the end of the day pretty much the biggest trade that ended up happening despite the fact that we outlined Max Scherzer Hall of Fame pitcher still at this stage of his career looking closer to a starter number three or a four with the Texas Rangers who's probably going to be the number two in their rotation behind Nathan Evaldi when they get to the playoffs if you want all the thoughts on that trade we did a wired up episode because we happened to be near a microphone when the breaking news dropped. And so we got a Wired Up episode 142 back here on the show to talk about the Max Scherzer trade. And then we reconvened with our friend Juju Talk Sports and talked about the Max Scherzer trade and all of its details and all of its winding, interesting pathways from the Mets standpoint and the Steve Cohen standpoint and Luis Angel Robert, or sorry, Luis Angel Acuna going to the uh, New York Mets and everything that happened in between. So 
We are really covering the holy hell out of this Max Scherzer trade, as we probably should, because it was the biggest trade that we saw during the trade deadline day. There's all sorts of fun information and all sorts of fun stories to talk about today. And as always, when we're talking about Major League Baseball, the best place to start is by setting the mood and traveling to our galaxy far, far away in our Major League Baseball Star Wars universe that we have concocted over the last year and a half, going back to the Juan Soto trade and realizing that baseball and Star Wars have a lot of parallels. The Holy Dodger Empire, with its evil reign across the galaxy in San Diego, originally looking something like a resistance that blew up the Dodger 111-win Death Star, and the Mets over here, and armies of clones and teams that are being conquered and all sorts of fun stuff. Yeah, baseball and Star Wars are very similar. That's why we put together this Star Wars baseball universe in order to get more excited about talking Major League Baseball and because it's fun to come up with fun gimmicks like this. Episode 5, The Dodger Empire Strikes Back. After five days of battles, a perfect 13 innings from the bullpen fleet, and help from a rally goose, Captain Juan Soto and the San Diego Resistance blew up the Holy Dodger Empire's 111-win Death Star, restoring a balance to the Force. After their incredible victory, the Resistance discovers they still have much to learn after a journey to the Dagobah system and a visit to Master Harper on the swamp planet known as Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the Holy Dodger Empire grows in wealth, pillaging the backs of Diamond and Purple Rockies once more for resources. The Empire has removed Captains Trey and Justin Turner while banishing Cody Bellinger to the north side. Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens continue spending their unprecedented resources in an attempt to maintain control of their Empire State along the eastern seaboard. In addition, Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens, along with the Holy Dodger Empire, prepare themselves for the impending arrival of Master Otani, the fabled Jedi Knight from Anaheim who legend says has the ability to master and control both sides of the Force. Despite their successes, the Resistance is losing resources and ground, trying to compete with the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. They've fled to the backs of Diamond in order to re-coordinate their efforts for the following season. In their time of need, Captain Juan Soto enlists help from a former Resistance ally, Fernando Calrissian, also known as El Nino. The Resistance also pays a hefty price for Xander Bogart's defection from the once great Boston Empire. With the help of Captain Soto, the return of El Nino, Xander the Carpenter, Joe Musgrove, Jedi Master Manny Machado, and Supreme Closer Lord Hader, the Resistance knows this season will be their best chance to dismantle the Holy Dodger Empire once and for all.
Alright, we have journeyed into the Star Wars baseball universe as teams make their final reinforcements before the grand battle at the end of the Empire Strikes Back episode of our Star Wars universe. For those who who might be new to the show, last year was the first episode of Star Wars because you had Captain Juan Soto joining the Resistance in San Diego and the Resistance blowing up the Dodger Death Star, which was the most powerful of all the Dodger teams. 111 wins, the most grandiose super weapon in all of sports, and the San Diego Resistance flew in and blew up the Dodger Death Star and flew out and there was celebration and joy. And now we're in the Empire Strikes Back phase, which is the Resistance is struggling and the Dodger Empire has grown stronger. They've brought back some old friends, Kike Hernandez, Joe Kelly, famous for frowning at the Dod- at the Astros after I think he either threw at someone or struck out someone, but the famous photo of him frowning as he walked off the mound. Just a general fan favorite with the Dodgers. Joe Kelly is back playing for the Los Angeles Dodgers. They also got Lance Lynn as their third or fourth starter depending on how you view the rotation when maybe Walker Bueller comes back and how you feel about Tony Gonsolin but they got a starting pitcher and they got the crew back together they brought back two fan favorites in Kike Hernandez and Joe Kelly so those are the reinforcements that the Holy Dodger Empire brought. They made other smaller moves. They DFA'd a player to open space for Joe Kelly, and then that player went to the, I want to say the Angels. Then they traded for Ryan Yarborough, for the former reliever for the Royals, who I think was also part of the San Diego resistance once upon No, no, he was the Tampa Bay guy. That's right. Uh, he, he used to pitch for Tampa. He had one good season in Tampa, and then he kind of just disappeared a little bit after that. But, yeah, anyways, Ryan Yarborough is going to pitch for the Dodgers, maybe in the playoffs, maybe not in the playoffs, but he'll come out of the bullpen. It's besides the point. The big moves that the Holy Dodger Empire made, they brought back reinforcements. So if you're trying to, like, make sense of everything that happens at the trade deadline, because there's always, like, smaller moves that will have an impact when the playoffs roll around because baseball's random and it's hard to predict what deals do and don't make an impact at the end. Like, Steve Pierce was a throwaway trade for the Red Sox in 2018 and ended up winning World Series MVP. Eddie Rosario was, like, the fourth biggest move the Braves made at the trade deadline in 2021 and he ended up winning NLCS MVP. So it's hard to know exactly what trades are going to make the biggest impact when the playoffs roll around but the one thing that I thought was super interesting was in the American League you have basically four teams that are good in the American League like four teams that are all probably going to make the divisional series barring them playing each other in the wild card round because there's there's four really good teams and two of them might match up in the first round of the playoffs but there are four teams that are a class above the rest in the American League it's the Baltimore Orioles the Tampa Bay Rays the Texas Rangers and the Houston Astros and basically three of those teams are just doing a spider-man meme of each other like houston and texas basically the exact same team in terms of the lineup top to bottom in terms of their starting pitching rotation having two top end guys and not a whole lot else afterwards having pieces in the bullpen uh star players who are either overperforming to expectations 
um, star players who have gone injured in the middle of the season. Like, Texas and Houston are basically a Spider-Man meme of each other, and I really want to see them play in the division series or maybe in the league championship series, but Houston and Texas are basically the same team this year, it feels like. And then Baltimore and Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is kind of doing a Spider-Man meme with a couple of those teams, but Baltimore and Tampa Bay are the two teams that we would be kind of surprised if they made it to the World Series, but also we fully acknowledge none of the teams in the American League have separated themselves, and Baltimore is totally in it in a baseball sport that can be random you've got four really good teams in the american league and all of them are very similar to each other they have their strengths they have their weaknesses many of the teams have strengths and weaknesses in the same place and then you've got a fifth team in the american league and that's the anaheim angels and the anaheim angels who right now are currently seventh place They are three games out of the wild card at the time of recording. The Anaheim Angels have basically decided, fuck it, we are giving up our farm system, we are giving up some of our major league-level players, and we are going to try and build a goddamn winner around Shohei Otani. By the way, with good reason, Shohei Otani is in the last year of his contract. The Angels have, in fact, never been to the playoffs with Shohei Otani, And by the way, since the All-Star break, they have the best record in baseball, and Shohei Otani is like a minus 1,200 favorite to win MVP. So the Angels are saying, this is the best team we've had in the Shohei Otani era, which is really fucking sad to say that this year's team that is three games above 500 is the best team that the Angels have had in the Shohei Otani era, and so their best bet is to just go all in on this team and deal with the consequences of that decision later. So the Angels, despite the fact they don't have a record that would indicate they are competing with Texas and Houston and Baltimore and the Tampa Bay Rays, are acting as if they are in that group. And if they get the sixth wild card in the playoffs over the Toronto Blue Jays, because for those who don't know, I just mentioned those four teams in the American League who are good, Baltimore, Tampa Bay, Texas, and Houston. Those four teams, I feel, are almost certain to gar- certainly guaranteed to make the playoffs, barring something catastrophic happening, like them just falling off a cliff in August and falling to the back of the pack in the wild card. Those teams are almost guaranteed to make the playoffs, and someone has to make the playoffs from the crappy American League Central. So even though there are six playoff teams in the American League, one of those spots has been taken up by the crappy team who's going to make it out of the pyramid scheme American League Central. And it's probably going to be the Twins, maybe it's Cleveland, doesn't matter. Whoever gets out of there is going to lose in the wild card. Which, by the way, the sixth wild card might be better than being the fifth wild card because the fifth wild card has to play a three-game playoff series at Tampa or at Baltimore compared to the sixth seed who gets to play at the crappy Twins or at the crappy Cleveland. And if the Angels end up getting the sixth playoff spot, they might have just as good of a chance as anyone in that American League. Because like we said earlier, nobody has really separated themselves in the American League. And if the Angels do end up making the playoffs, it means they're going to be about as good as Texas and Baltimore and the as good as Texas, Baltimore, or Houston since June. Because the Angels have had to overcome being five games back 
to jump back into the wild card picture. And in order for them to climb five games on every team in the American League, they would basically have to play like a first place team from June until September. And if they do get there, then we can say the Angels are legitimately as good as Baltimore, as good as Tampa, as good as Houston, and as good as Texas. So let's operate under the assumption that if the Angels get to the playoffs, they will be as good as any of those teams in the American League. So there's five teams in the American League that either have solidified themselves as contenders or believe that they will be contenders. Okay? Got it. We have established this as fact. There are four really good teams in the American League. The Angels, if they get to the playoffs, will also be a fifth team that is also very good. And the Angels believe that this is the best... Well, the Angels know this is the best team they've had in the Otani era. And the Angels believe that they can get to the playoffs and they have made transactions as such. My favorite development of the trade deadline is that all five of these teams in the American League, all of whom have been basically the same throughout the season... Rosters built uh, for three of the five teams, rosters that are built very similarly, talking about Texas, Houston, and Tampa, three rosters built very similarly with strengths and weaknesses, many of the strengths in the same places, many of the weaknesses in the same places, none significantly better than the other. All of those teams made exactly the same trade at the trading deadline. Every single one of the five teams that think they can win the American League in a random-ass sport like baseball that saw eight different champions in eight years saw the Washington Nationals, who were two innings away from getting bounced in a wildcard game, beat the greatest baseball team I've ever seen in the Houston Astros in 2019. The random-ass sport of baseball that has potentially five teams that all have an equal chance of winning the World Series... All five teams made exactly the same trade at the trading deadline. What did they do? They traded for a pitcher who's going to pitch the second or third game of a wildcard series. Or the second or third game of a divisional playoff series. Or the second or third game of a league championship series. Every single team traded for a second starting pitcher in their rotation. I'll show you real quick. Texas Rangers traded for Max Scherzer. We're going to break down that trade at the end of the show with Juju Talk Sports. Texas Rangers trade for Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer, who is a Hall of Famer, former All-Star with three different teams. Max Scherzer this year has a 4.00 ERA. That would put him fourth on the Texas Rangers in earned run average. Texas Rangers have a number one starter who is an All-Star in Nathan Eovaldi, he will start game one. The next game two starter will be either Max Scherzer, Dane Dunning, or John Gray. Probably going to pick Max Scherzer among that group of guys who all have a very similar ERA. So game two of a hypothetical wild card round will be Max Scherzer pitching for the Texas Rangers. Let's say Texas gets the four seed in the American League. Or sorry, let's say Texas gets the five seed in the American League. So they'll be playing the four seed in the American League, which right now is the Tampa Bay Rays. What did the Tampa Bay Rays do at the All-Star game, or at the trade deadline? Well, behind their number one starter, Shane McClanahan, who will start game one against Nathan Uvalde, the Tampa Bay Rays traded for Aaron Savali from the Cleveland Guardians in exchange for 
one of their top prospects, I think he's like a top 50 prospect in all of baseball as a first baseman, just a straight-up one-for-one swap. The Tampa Bay Rays traded Savali for a prospect. Savali will be their number two or number three starter in a playoff series. So they slide Savali into the starting rotation behind Shane McClanahan. So then we can go to, say, the number one seed, Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles have been this amazing story throughout the year. They have maybe the best farm system in all of baseball, one of the youngest teams in baseball. They're in first place in a gauntlet of an American League East, a division that has Toronto and the Yankees both as top 10 payrolls in baseball. What did the Baltimore Orioles do? They traded for a number two starter in Jack Flaherty, from the St. Louis Cardinals, who for the first time in my entire life won't win between 85 and 90 games and maybe win the NL Central in a year where the NL Central isn't very good. The Cardinals, who suck, traded Jack Flaherty, their former number one starter, who's now pitching like a number two starter, to the Baltimore Orioles. So in a hypothetical NLDS against the winner of the series between Max Scherzer's Texas Rangers and Aaron Savali's Tampa Bay Rays, game two of the next series will be pitched by Scherzer or Savali against Jack Flaherty. And what's going to happen in the number two seeded Houston Astros playoff run? Well, they're going to have Framber Valdez start game one. Maybe they'll have, uh, maybe, uh, who's the guy? Oh, Christian Javier. Maybe they'll have Christian Javier start game two, or maybe they'll have former two-time Cy Young award-winning pitcher Justin Verlander pitch game two of a theoretical ALDS. Because Justin Verlander's not better than Framber Valdez. Valdez made the all-star team this year. He's one of the best pitchers in baseball. Framber Valdez will be the number one. Justin Verlander will be the number two. And then they theoretically could play the six-seeded Anaheim Angels, who will have played like a first-place team the rest of the the second half of the season, will make the playoffs with Shohei Otani, will beat the crap out of either Minnesota or Cleveland or whatever obligatory AL Central team gets the three-seed, and the Angels will roll out with number two starter Lucas Giolito, who they traded for from the Chicago White Sox. Patrick Sandoval is probably their number one, I guess. Maybe Shohei Otani's their number one, because remember, Shohei Otani was an all-star this year as a pitcher and as a hitter. So they're going to have maybe Sandoval's their number two, maybe Giolito is their number two. But let's operate under the assumption that between those two, they're going to have Lucas Giolito start a game two against game two starter Justin Verlander traded to the Houston Astros. And on the flip side, we have number two starter Jack Flaherty pitching against either number two starter Max Scherzer for the Rangers or number two starter Aaron Savali. All five teams made exactly the same fucking trade at the trade deadline. All of them said, you know what we need? A starting pitcher who can pitch in our rotation beyond the two starting pitchers we already have. These five teams that are all super equal to each other. And and again, the Angels were operating under the assumption they do end up making the playoffs because that means they will have played like a top team in the American League for the second half of the season. And sometimes that's all that matters in baseball. The the year that the Nationals won the World Series, they were like 11 and 20 to start the season. And then we're one of the best teams in baseball post-June. All five teams that believe they have a legitimate chance of winning the American League 
all made the exact same fucking trade at the trade deadline. They all traded for a number two starter in their rotation in exchange for like two top end prospects. And the New York Mets got tra- uh, ended up eating a bunch of the money to take on Scherzer and get top prospects. They did the same trade with Verlander to eat a bunch of money and take on Verlander's contract. The Baltimore Orioles gave up two top prospects in exchange for Jack Flaherty, which is a little different in Baltimore's case. I think they gave up like their number 16 and number 18 prospects. But Baltimore has such a stacked and deep farm system that that's, you know, a top 10 prospect in some other teams' farm systems. Baltimore gave up Jack two top prospects for Jack Flaherty. The Tampa Bay Rays gave up a top 100 prospect in all of baseball, I think number four in their entire system, for Aaron Savali. And the Angels gave up their number seven and their number 14 prospects in exchange for Lucas Giolito and Reynaldo Lopez, who just got sent to the minor leagues for the Angels. They all made the exact same trade for pitchers who will probably play against each other when those teams inevitably match up in the playoffs. And in a year that there wasn't a big, big trade, like there was no Juan Soto, there was no Trey Turner and Max Scherzer traded to the Dodgers, there was no Manny Machado to the Dodgers, there was no Yu Darvish trade, there was no Zach Granke to the Astros trade. In a year where there was no gigantic earth-shattering trade that changed the forecast of the entire league, every single team in the American League, who I think has a legitimate equal chance of winning the American League, no one team has separated themselves yet there, they all made the exact same trade of trading two top prospects or a top prospect in exchange for a number two starter in the playoffs. The Mets ended up getting rid of two pitchers, and they got a haul of prospects at the end of this. I mean, they also sent Tommy Pham to Arizona and got a minor leaguer. They traded Mark Canna to the Brewers and got a minor leaguer. They traded Daniel Robertson to the Marlins and got a minor leaguer. I mean, they really tore that thing to the ground with short-term trades. And by the way, all for the better, because they had planned on 2023 being an all-in season, and then they ended up punting on the season right at June when it looked like the season was a lost cause. And so every the, the Mets get two top prospects back as part of the two Scherzer and Verlander deals. And same thing we talked about with Scherzer and we'll talk about again in a second. They Because they have so much money, they ate $30 million and potentially get their center fielder of the future and their number three starter of the future at cheap prices in exchange for taking on some of Verlander and uh, or sorry, maybe even their number two starter of the future, given the top prospect they got from the Astros. They get a starting pitcher of the future and a center fielder of the future in exchange for eating Scherzer and Verlander's contracts because they have the money to do so. St. Louis Cardinals got a top prospect for Jack Flaherty. Cleveland gets a top prospect for Aaron Savaldi, and they get to reset the clock on them continuing to be mediocre and you know, rotating out players for prospects who then become stars and then rotate those players for more prospects, et cetera, et cetera. Cleveland gets a top prospect. St. Louis gets a top prospect. The Mets get two top prospects. The White Sox get a top prospect from the Angels. And everyone walks away feeling good about their trade deadline, despite the fact that nobody really made a move that significantly put them ahead of anyone else, which by the way, there wasn't really a move out there that they could have made. There was no way that any of those teams could have made a singular move that would have made their roster so much better than the other. What these teams are banking on is baseball being random and their number two starter who they traded for 
being the one who makes the biggest impact come playoff time. And by the way, the name you think might be the big impact player come playoff time might not be the one you're anticipating. Because remember last year in the playoffs, Max Scherzer got lit up by San Diego. I will never forget it because I'm a San Diego fan, but Max Scherzer gave up seven earned runs in his playoff game against San Diego. So Max Scherzer may be a name, but he's not guaranteed to be the one who comes through clutch in the playoffs. Maybe it's Aaron Savali. Maybe it's even Lucas Giolito, and the Angels go on a magical run to the league championship series where they have just as good of a chance of beating Texas or Baltimore as any of these teams that we've listed today. Maybe it's one of those guys. Maybe Scherzer has a turnaround. Maybe Verlander goes back to Houston and regains his Cy Young form. Or maybe he just regains his top of the rotation form because they don't need him to be a Cy Young winner. They just need him to be a number two behind Framber Valdez and maybe even a number three behind Christian Javier, who, remember, threw a no-hitter in the World Series last year. So Houston needs Verlander to just be a number two or number three out of the back of the rotation, just like all of these teams would like for these pitchers to throw one run in seven innings during their game two of the league division series next year. Maybe they get that, maybe they don't, but the team who ends up advancing might be the team who gets that player to perform at the best level because all of these teams made the exact same trade. They all traded for number two starters and they all gave up top prospects in order to make it happen. Every single team in the American League believes that they are a number two starter away from potentially competing with every other team in the American League. And all five teams haven't separated themselves, and I'm really excited to see what happens, because for the first time in what feels like five years, it doesn't feel like the Astros are a tier ahead of everyone else in the American League. The Astros came back to the pack, and everyone, including Texas and Baltimore, as new faces that have put together great seasons, just might be the team that can catch Houston. Tampa are Already did it once back in 2020, and I don't think this Tampa team is better than that 2020 Tampa team. Despite the red hot start they got off to at the start of the season, Tampa's been kind of middle of the pack, uh, hanging just above. They've been as good as the Angels the whole season. They've basically been the Angels for the last two months of the season. So Tampa's not this juggernaut that we thought they were at the start of the year. They just caught a big head start on everybody and then fell back to the pack as Baltimore just passed them by, but they're only like a half game difference between the two teams. So Tampa is right there trying to catch Houston again. Baltimore is a young team, but they have the best record in the American league right now. And the Texas Rangers are the best offense in baseball. And they're just saying, what if we're the Mets, but better at doing Mets than the Mets are. And all of those teams have a great chance of be out of beating each other and that's why this playoffs is going to be so much fun as it is almost every year because the american league is a coin flip four teams all have as good a chance as any other and the angels are trying to be big money and get into that game with a superstar like shohei otani that can single-handedly transform a playoff run the way that bryce harper did last year for the philadelphia phillies we'll see what happens everyone's making the exact same trade in order to put themselves in a position to succeed That's the big takeaway from the trading deadline this year. There were other smaller moves, many of them just made by the Padres. Like San Diego just acquired three relievers and Rich Hill to eat up innings in the rotation while they try and tread water and maybe sneak into that sixth wildcard spot. 
but San Diego made all the other smaller moves at the trading deadline, and every team in the American League made their big move being, we're going to trade for a top-end starter. And uh, the Braves just traded for a reliever and no bats and will probably still run through the National League. And the Dodgers, the Holy Dodger Empire is getting the band back together to try and recreate the glory years of 2020 with Kike Hernandez and Joe Kelly. And uh, everyone in the American League is trying to be the exact same team as each other. We'll see how it ends up going for them. All right, to wrap up this MLB trade deadline show, let's welcome in our friend once again, Juju Talk Sports. Me and him did a breakdown of the Max Scherzer trade. A bonus on top of the Wired Up podcast that we did on Sunday, or sorry, on Saturday, reacting to the breaking news of the Scherzer trade because we happened to be at work and happened to have a microphone in front of us to react to the unique just Max Scherzer trade. So, a double dose of Max Scherzer trade breakdowns. Uh, that will be how we wrap up our trade deadline line episode here with our friend Juju Talk Sports. Uh, Max Scherzer traded to the Texas Rangers. As we're recording this, we still leave open the possibility that Justin Verlander could get dealt, Starling Marte could get dealt. The Mets can still deal off a lot of pieces right now. The big one we're going to focus on is just Scherzer himself going to Texas. I bet he didn't expect this when he signed that contract, just literally less than two years ago. No, I don't think any of us saw it happening. But then uh, I don't know if you saw this after the game on Friday, Max Scherzer had a uh, press conference uh, at his locker in which people were asking him questions. And he was basically like, yeah, if the organization's even going to think about selling, I want to get the hell out of here. And then they traded David Robertson. And then a day later, they traded him out of New York and he's going to spend what might be the final two years of his career. We'll get into the details of the trade in a second, but it's just so interesting. The It's such a unique trade and it had to be a unique trade because of where the Mets stand right now, because of where the Texas Rangers stand. Uh, both teams didn't expect to be in the positions that they are. And both of these teams are basically the same. Like Texas is basically at this point is like, what if we do what the New York Mets are doing, but better and more efficient? And the New York Mets are like, ah, shit. Well, I guess we got to sell now so that we can buy again in the offseason and try this whole shit again uh, next season. So this is such a unique situation. And it makes sense that Texas was the team who went in on Max Scherzer because Texas and uh, Texas and New York are thinking very similarly in how they build their championship level rosters. When the Mets first drew up this contract, first signed him, you know, it's not just uh, what we were expecting, but you know what the Mets were expecting, certainly going into this year, obviously you have, you signed Verlander last year's AL Cy Young award winner. Uh, You have Scherzer on the roster. You get rid of DeGrom's mess. And you know, it's funny too, you know, you talked about this a little bit, but it's funny too, that here the Rangers are, they signed DeGrom and then he immediately gets hurt because that's what DeGrom does anymore. Then they have to make this trade from Max Scherzer to replace essentially DeGrom. So <laughs> wow. funny. It's yeah. so funny. That's so incredible that the the Texas Rangers, the Texas Rangers spent. So the last time the Rangers made the playoffs was 2016. And so you could argue that from 2016 until now, six years is like what you could call a re- Rebuild. Now they did a couple different strategies during the rebuild. They tried to 
trade for Lance Lynn. They tried to trade for Mike Miner. They tried to put together a pitching staff around Joey Gallo. Didn't work out the way they hoped it would. And then they tore it down, sucked for a couple of years. And then they've kind of been through six years uh, in the six years in the rebuilding desert of Major League Baseball. And at the end of the rebuild, they got a couple good pieces, missed on a couple draft picks, signed a couple good players as international prospects. Uh, and then about two years ago, they just decided, fuck it, we're just going to spend a billion dollars and buy our way back into the big money baseball game. They're spending, if I remember correctly, they're spending $487 million on their middle infield by signing Corey Seager and Marcus Semien. They uh, dropped $100 million on Nathan Avaldi. We mentioned they dropped a five-year contract on 34-year-old Jacob deGrom when no team was going to offer him a fourth year. They offered him a goddamn fifth year and added $60 million above what the New York Mets were willing to offer. So, And by the way, they also have Bruce Bochy as their manager, the manager that every team in baseball wanted to hire. So you know they, are, they have to be paying an ungodly amount of money to Bruce Bochy at this point. If they're dropping a half a billion dollars on their middle infield, they're signing two starting pitchers to $100 million contracts. Bruce Bochy, his contract details aren't public, but Bruce Bochy's got to be getting paid to be the manager of the Texas Rangers. And they just dropped a billion dollars on the team. And by the way, some of those players hit. Adolis Garcia was an international signing for them. He, or actually he was traded from the Cardinals to them as a minor leaguer. He's been a two-time All-Star. Josh Jung is a former top 10 pick. He's going to win Rookie of the Year in the American League. So like they, uh, Dane Dunning is probably a better starting pitcher than Max Scherzer this season. Kind of crazy to say because it's Max Scherzer, but Dane Dunning might be a better starter than Max Scherzer this year. So Texas has some young pieces. They dropped a billion dollars on their team to buy into the big money baseball game, and now they're going to buy into the Max Scherzer game as their what I would assume is their number two starter in the playoffs. I mean, like you said, if you look at the Rangers ERAs this year among starters, I think Scherzer would be fourth in the rotation right now because Evaldi was obviously a starter in the all-star game this year. Uh, Dane Dunning has like a three, five ERA. John Gray has like a three, seven ERA or something like that. So I assume Scherzer's their number two pitcher in the playoff rotation just because of name recognition and him being a big game pitcher and all that stuff. And maybe it's his season turns around playing for Texas as compared to just toiling around with the Mets. But they dropped the bag on a number two starter who was supposed to be Jacob deGrom. But then when Jacob deGrom got hurt, they just said, fuck it, we'll go trade for Max Scherzer. <laughs> and that's going to be our number two starter now. <laughs> so ultimately for the Rangers, they're in this hotly contested AL West race uh, with the Astros. They beat the Astros to the punch here and picking up a starter to add to their bolster, their rotation. How do you think the, that shakes out the rest of the year? Do you think that this gives the Rangers the edge to stave off the Astros or do you think they're still coming? My hope is that they play in the NLDS. That's my hope is, uh, you know, because might be a little difficult for them to play. Sorry, in. ALDS. Sorry. They, I hope they play in the ALDS because Right now, it's looking like Texas is going to be maybe the one seed in the American League, maybe two or three. Houston is going to end up being the five or the four, maybe the six. And if, by the way, you, you kind of want the six seed in the American League because it gets it means you get to play whoever the crappy AL Central team who makes it out of the wild card round is. 
So I'm hoping that Texas and Houston play a five game series in the playoffs because those teams are so evenly matched right now. Both have like four batters in their four batters in their lineup who are all stars. Both have two top end starting pitchers. Houston might add a third. Texas just added a third. Houston just traded for Kendall Graveman from the Chicago White Sox. It's going to be so interesting if those two teams match up because Houston and Texas are super evenly matched right now. And uh, I would love to watch that playoff series because we know baseball's random, right? Random shit happens all the time in baseball. So when you have two teams that are so equal in talent to each other, anything could happen. So true World Series contender, you think? Yes, because there is no true World Series contender in the American League. The American League has four really good teams this year. It's Houston, it's Texas, it's Baltimore, and it's Tampa Bay. Sorry, Toronto. I know you're kind of like hanging around a little bit, but those are the four really good teams in the American League this year. And any of those four teams, I think, have an equal chance of making the World Series in the American League. So every move like a Max Scherzer trade or every move like Houston trading for Kendall Graveman, or I guess you could say Baltimore trading for Shintaro Fujinami from the A's because that's the only trade they've made so far. But like every little move like that makes a bigger difference because there really are only four teams in the American League who realistically can win a championship and none of the four have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. Okay, so let's talk about the Mets side of things. So they get the brother of Ronald Acuna Jr. We don't know if he's going to end up being of the same caliber of player as Ronald Acuna. If the Mets are able to get that kind of production, certainly we'll consider them the winners of the trade. As of now, it's just a prospect for an aging veteran. Just off that basis alone, where do you think the Mets and Rangers stand? So the Mets aspect of this is super, super interesting because we know the Mets are kind of the exception, right? Steve Cohen's willing to just drop money all over the place in the sport and that no one else. He has his own level of luxury tax threshold in baseball because he's just willing to drop money all over the place. It's not just that they got Luis Angel Acuna from the Texas Rangers. It's that the Mets are going to be paying $35 million of Scherzer's remaining $58 million on the contract. They're paying 60% of the contract for him to go pitch for the Texas Rangers. So if you want to follow the winding path here, the Mets paid basically eight figures. I mean, they would have had to eat some of the contract no matter what because it's just a bad deal. Scherzer's pitching like a number four or number three starter this season, and no one's paying that amount of money for a number four or number three starter. But they basically dropped 10 figures for a top prospect. And I don't even hate the move from the Mets because money doesn't matter. From what I understand, Luis Angel Acuna is like a legitimate top, top MLB prospect. He's going to be number one in the Mets system. He's already in AAA, I believe. So he's like right on the precipice of getting to the majors. He's a shortstop, but they have Lindor. So he might move to third base or he might move to center field. But essentially, they're making the bet on we're going to pay like $30 million extra to potentially land our center fielder of the future, who we only have to pay $3 million in the first three years of his career. And honestly, that's a great move if you're the New York Mets. If you can flip that crappy Scherzer contract into the center fielder of the future and only have to pay $30 million to make the transfer happen, that's actually a really good job by the New York Mets because it's not like the 
Tampa Bay Rays, where their entire payroll is $70 million, dropping $30 million to move Scherzer's contract for a center fielder of the future who's going to be cheap actually is a really, really good trade by the New York Mets. It's a weird deal because it was this one-for-one swap. It was Scherzer for... Luis Angel Acuna, that was the only players that were traded in the deal. And somehow I think the Mets might end up getting a better deal out of it because basically never in baseball is any team trading the best prospect in their farm system for a number three starter. Like that trade just never, ever happens in baseball. So I think the Mets might actually, in exchange for dropping $30 million of the Scherzer contract, the Mets might actually be the winners of this trade. Obviously, the Mets were going nowhere this season. They're probably not going anywhere next season because, hell, Scherzer, Verlander, they're just going to be a year older. That's where it comes into just trying to maximize the value where you can get it. Unfortunately, it just didn't work out. You know, it's kind of like an angel situation. Once they got in those Mets uniforms, they just got zapped of their powers. So (laughs) it it was just time for them to make the right move here and move on because it wasn't going to work out for either side. Who knows? Max Scherzer, if he goes on to be awesome for the Rangers the next three months, then maybe we look at this trade a little different. But like you said, if uh, Luis Acuna ends up being amazing, you know, and really takes over either the Centerville, shortstop, whatever spots on their team, then maybe 10 years hindsight, we look and say the Mets won this trade. It's hard to say right now because we're just, you know, projecting, prognosticating, but it's all going to come down to the box score. Um, Yep, and what the Mets are betting on is... We can trade because they already traded Eduardo Escobar. They traded David Robertson to the Marlins. They've traded Scherzer. They're probably going to trade Verlander by the time you've heard this video. They're going to trade Mark Canna. They're going to trade Tommy Fan. They might trade Starling Marte. By trading all these short-term pieces, they will then have the flexibility to do it all again this offseason. We're going to trade all these prospects and sign all these players so we can go for it again next year. That's the game plan for the Mets. By selling now, we can then try the exact same bullshit all over again next year. All right, guys. Well, let us know what you think of this trade. You know, one for one top prospect for Max Scherzer, aging veteran. Like to hear your thoughts in the comment section. Leave a like on the video, subscribe to the channel, follow us on all our social medias from Juju and Kyle. Stay safe, happy, and healthy. We will see you next time. Episode 5, The Dodger Empire Strikes Back. After five days of battles, a perfect 13 innings from the bullpen fleet, and help from a rally goose, Captain Juan Soto and the San Diego Resistance blew up the Holy Dodger Empire's 111-win Death Star, restoring a balance to the Force. After their incredible victory, the Resistance discovers they still have much to learn after a journey to the Dagobah system and a visit to Master Harper on the swamp planet known as Philadelphia. Meanwhile, the Holy Dodger Empire grows in wealth, pillaging the backs of Diamond and Purple Rockies once more for resources. The Empire has removed Captains Trey and Justin Turner while banishing Cody Bellinger to the north side. Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens continue spending their unprecedented resources in an attempt to maintain control of their Empire State along the eastern seaboard. In addition, Master Cohen and his Met Army of Queens 
along with the Holy Dodger Empire, prepare themselves for the impending arrival of Master Otani, the fabled Jedi Knight from Anaheim, who legend says has the ability to master and control both sides of the Force. Despite their successes, the Resistance is losing resources and ground, trying to compete with the tyranny of the Holy Dodger Empire. They've fled to the backs of Diamond in order to re-coordinate their efforts for the following season. In their time of need, Captain Juan Soto enlists help from a former Resistance ally, Fernando Calrissian, also known as El Nino. The Resistance also pays a hefty price for Xander Bogart's defection from the once great Boston Empire. With the help of Captain Soto, the return of El Nino, Xander the Carpenter, Joe Musgrove, Jedi Master Manny Machado, and Supreme Closer Lord Hader, the Resistance knows this season will be their best chance to dismantle the Holy Dodger Empire once and for all. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.